You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning. I will speak quite loudly today to overcome the soul fly that is determined to drown out just about everything else. Um, We do actually have some fly spray, but it would seem really inappropriate now (laughs) to go around spraying things. Um, It's really good to see you all this morning. Um, We're continuing our series of Journeying with Joshua, Living a Life of Faith, exploring how God leads Joshua into the promised land of Canaan and fulfills his promise to give it to them. And today we're looking at how we can apply the lessons learned by Joshua as God leads us personally and as a church into our promised land, one full of wonder, hope, peace, joy and victory. And today we've reached chapter 10. Now before we get there, um, I'm just going to kind of summarise it because this is an amazing chapter actually, and I kind of think, gosh, if you were ever going to make a film of a chapter in the Bible, this would be a brilliant one to make a film of. Um, We see in chapter 10, the southern kingdoms unite to ultimately prevent Joshua from doing to them what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, which was total defeat. And I kind of think, wow, this this film would be amazing because you see these five kings collaborate to create a super army to stop Joshua. But they're too afraid to take on Joshua directly. So they take up fortified positions around Gibeon to destroy it. And Gibeon is an ally of Joshua. And let's remember that Gibeon is only Joshua's ally by deception. So we find the five kings encamped around Gibeon ready to attack. You can see Peter Jackson doing this amazingly well. But someone escapes the city and rushes the 20 miles to ask for Joshua's help. And they find him camped at Gilgal. And Gilgal is a a place that's dear to Joshua's heart, a place where Joshua meets with God and the messenger arrives from Gibeon and again you can see them arriving sweaty and out of breath and desperate pleading for help and we see Joshua at rest in this wonderful place where he meets with God what would Joshua would do would he respond or would he turn his back on this deceptive ally he has an opportunity now to rid himself of these liars And he wouldn't have to feel bad. And you can hear the dramatic music getting louder and the looks of Joshua as he looks into the distance, wrestling with himself. Is he going to honour God or is he going to let them die? And then we cut to the next scene and Joshua has marshaled all of his troops and we're told his best fighting men. And he's off to rescue his ally. En route, we know that he must seek the Lord because we're told that the Lord reassures him not to be afraid and promises him that he will give them the victory. Joshua is learning to seek and involve God in every key decision and action. Things we'd learn already in the chapters preceding, he's failed to do sometimes. And then we see God fulfill his promise. He promises him as a result um, of these five kings getting together. He says, uh, I wonder if Joshua ever wondered how God was going to beat these five kings. 
And he does it in an amazing way, as we'll see uh, as we go into the passage. He does it in one way by these giant hailstones, nonetheless. I wonder if God, uh, if Joshua would have said, we're going to beat these five armies. And guess what? We're going to beat them with hailstones, guys. I mean, I don't think they'd have probably seen that one coming. And the little thing that spoke to me this morning says, if you're waiting on a promise of God, be prepared for the unexpected. This victory delivered by God signals the end of the southern kingdoms. The land promised to Joshua by God is his. And in just 10 chapters, Joshua has come so far. We see Joshua using God's words to encourage his troops and not to be afraid. Joshua is taking God at his word and reading his word to his troops. We see Joshua with his foot on the necks of the five kings, totally subdued and defeated, showing that nothing is impossible for God. And we see Joshua, the victorious leader, acknowledge that God has given them this and will continue to give them the victory. And I imagine this final scene and we read that Josh is, Joshua is back at Gilgal in his place of rest with God. And I can imagine as the closing credits go up the screen, we read the final verses. Joshua 10, 40 and 42 says this. He totally destroyed all who breathed just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. All these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for them. Wow, what a chapter, what a film it would make. But what parts of this do I want to draw out and explore today specifically? What can we learn and apply in our own lives? The title for my message today is Moving Forward in Faith. And there are three things, three points I want to make. One, Joshua didn't rest on his laurels. Two, Joshua didn't hold anything back. And three, Joshua didn't fight alone. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're not going to read through the whole chapter. We're just going to look at verses 5 to 15. So reading Joshua chapter 10 from 5 to 15. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come to us quickly and save us. Help us. Because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Makedar. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekar, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones and were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, 
Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Wow, like I said, what a chapter. It's all in there, isn't it? It's all in there. So the first point I want to make this morning, Joshua wanted to move forward in his faith and Joshua didn't rest on his laurels. Joshua did not want to be satisfied with past successes and do nothing to achieve further success for God. He didn't want to stay where he was. God had given him success over Jericho and Ai, but God had promised Israel the whole of Canaan. So was Joshua going to stop there? He'd had this amazing successes and he was back in his wonderful place of rest with God. I wonder how tempted he was to stay, stay and enjoy what God had given him. But we read in verse six, the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Joshua, as I've said, was his happy place, a place where God had blessed him repeatedly. The place where the manna stopped and for the first time they lived off the fruit of the promised land. This was the place where Joshua remembered and worshipped God. I wonder how he felt when these messengers arrived asking for his help. After all, he hadn't been attacked. Why should he get involved? This was not his battle. Have you ever felt in times of life that you're involved in something difficult, but it's not actually your battle? But Joshua didn't sit back. Joshua chooses to get involved. He is obedient to his oath he made to the Gibeonites and to God. There's always a danger when things are going well to step back, take stock and protect what we have. To not rock the boat, to don't challenge the status quo. But this was not Joshua. He was a man on a mission, on a mission to follow God's commands. He was prepared to risk again for God, to trust in his promises again. How can we expect to see God move in mighty ways if we don't attempt mighty things in his name? Point one, Joshua did not rest on his laurels. He did not bask in previous victories, but he was prepared to go again with God. Point two, Joshua didn't hold anything back. 
Verse 7 uh, in Joshua 10, it says, So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including the best fighting men. Joshua could have held some back. After all, they were not attacking him. Why risk everything? However, Joshua moves forward in faith and marches on the promises of God. He chooses to march with everything he had. Joshua goes all in. And I think God loves this and reminds him in verse 8, Do not be afraid of them, God says. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them, not one of these five kings will be able to withstand you. God saw Joshua's faith and God reassures him, do not be afraid. God promises him, I have given them into your hand. God acknowledges his situation. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. When we move forward in faith, we can have confidence that God will reassure us and promise us and he acknowledges and understands our situation. I think God loves Joshua's boldness and his faith. And I think you can almost hear God cheering him on at the sidelines. I think God loves it when we step out in boldness. So point two, Joshua didn't hold anything back. And so secure was he that he took a 20 mile hike overnight, which was uphill all the way to Gilgal. His troops would not have arrived in the best possible condition, but he trusted God's words and his actions more than he trusted, if you like, or relied on his troops being in the best physical condition. Paul writes in James 2.22 about Abraham, though he could also have been writing these words about Joshua. His faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Joshua put his faith into action. But Paul writes a stark warning in James 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Wow, that's some warning. So how alive is our faith right now? Are we looking at the challenges around us and holding back? Or are we looking at the possibilities with eyes of faith? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we live by faith, not by sight. Genesis eighteen fourteen Is anything impossible for the Lord? Matthew nineteen twenty six says, For with God all things are possible. God is asking us, like Joshua, to go in and take the land, moving forward in our faith, in him and the promises he gives us, 
and he asks us not to hold anything back. Point three, my final point. Joshua didn't fight alone. We read in verses 10 to 14 that God gave Joshua the victory. Verse 10, the Lord threw them, the enemy, into confusion. Verse 11, the Lord hurled large hailstones down from the sky, which killed more than Joshua's army's swords. You have to smile at that one, don't you? Because <laughs> you can imagine these best trained troops thinking, I want to do this, and these hailstones are falling down, and their enemy is falling all around them. It must be quite something to have seen. Joshua, emboldened by what he sees God doing, he steps out in faith even further. And I love this. He'd seen God doing these amazing things, but he still wanted to see more. He stepped out in faith even further. In verse 12, in front of the whole of Israel, he asked God something quite incredible. He asked God to stop the sun from setting. And he didn't just pray this in his head, one of those little prayers, listen, God, please, would you do this? He stood in front of everyone, in front of everyone, and he asked God to stop the sun from setting. Joshua wanted God to extend the day to ensure total victory. And God responded and stopped the sun in the middle of the sky and delayed it going down by about a full day, as the Bible tells us. Wow. What faith to ask God for it. And what faith to ask it in front of everybody, not just in his head. But Joshua knew God was going to give him the victory. Joshua knew God was going to fight with him. But let's be clear, Joshua ensured he involved God in his fight. He'd learned from the previous chapters not to go and do his own thing, not to consult with God first. No, he involved God in everything. Even though he knew God was working and could see God at work, he continued to keep him involved in everything. When we go into battle, it's great to rely on his promises but let's not forget to actively get God involved when we are in it. So where does this leave us today? Some of our biggest battles in life can be caused by our lack of faith. We stop believing in the promises of God. We stop believing in the goodness of God. We stop believing that God loves us and wants the very, very best for us. And we stop moving forward. And what's worse is when we stop moving forwards, we actually start moving backwards and away from God. And honestly, that's when the battles get even harder. Yes, life with God can sometimes be tough, really tough. But life without God is even tougher. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, tells us, never will he leave us or forsake us. Jesus tells us that apart from him, we can achieve nothing. Jesus tells us that with God, all things are possible. Paul tells us in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that despite all difficulties, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul continues in Hebrews 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Paul does not pull his punches. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ouch. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do we move forwards with faith? I think Paul provides an answer. In Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run forward with eyes of faith, keeping those firmly fixed on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So in conclusion, God calls us to move forward every day by faith and not slip backwards in doubt. God calls us not to rest on our laurels, not to rest on previous successes and grow afraid of moving forward or losing what we have gained. God calls us to hold nothing back as he holds nothing back from us. Psalm 84, he holds back nothing good from those who walk in the way that is right. God calls us to involve him in our battles. From the Lord's Prayer, which we are commanded to, if you like, speak daily and regularly, it says this, give us this day and deliver us from evil. God wants us to involve him in every single day. God calls us to exercise faith, to throw off everything that hinders and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Joshua took God at his word and God gave him the promised land. Are we prepared to do the same? Amen.